Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Nine. Twelve. Ten. Twenty-eight. Two. Twenty-three. This is Deep State Radio, coming to you direct from our super-secret studio in the third sub-basement of the Ministry of SNARK in Washington, D.C., and from other undisclosed locations across America and around the world. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Deep State Radio. This is our holiday series of episodes where we talk about the year that has just passed, 2018. Uh, and on this episode, we're going to look at what was good about the year 2018, which is really going to test the imagination of our panel. Fortunately, we have the original founding panel members, the core of the Deep State Radio Brain Trust, uh, and that includes, of course, in far-off uh, England, Corey Shockey. Um, hi, Corey. Are you <laughs> feeling creative today? And um, and Rosa Brooks in Washington D.C. Always creative. Uh, one you know mug in the eggnog at all time. I'm sure, right, Rosa? You're staying a festive. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's very very. She celebrates here. the apocalypse. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, exactly. And of course, with us, we've also got in Washington D.C. David Sanger uh, and Ed Luce. Hi, guys. Welcome, uh, uh, Mary. Hey, Mary, hey, David. Mary, Merry Christmas. Yay! Uh, I'm doing like a Muppet laugh and wave. Enjoy yeah. guys, the um, entire all of us together. In, yes. Instead of celebrating Christmas, uh, I, I'm inspired by a, a column I read in Slate this morning, uh, suggesting is, that we should all celebrate Bad Choices Day instead on December 25th. Oh which, my God. That sounds like could, a great idea. Could Slate. I fit that all into one day? <laughs> Slate. You Don't know, make fun of Slate. Where every now and then there's something good. Don't be. Yeah, don't, sl- be don't be mean. Slate was the the place that ran an article attacking. George H.W. Bush's service dog that lay down in front of his coffin. <laughs> uh, you know, I've got a wonderful on this one. Yeah, I, I, um, I found that basically the most shocking piece of journalism. They were, so wait, 20, I, I completely missed this. What did the dog do to so, deserve its opprobrium? Slate's, basically, the argument they made, Rosa, was that the dog had only been with President Bush for six months oh, and which the of dog didn't was a quarter of the to. dog's life right and that this was the dog's job and he would he would move on to <laughs> oh, some wow. time i i think he's i think he's up at um walter reed hospital and we get another assignment as if he was like some kind of government bureaucrat moving on instead of being <laughs> this beautiful loyal labrador probably That's- probably the Probably the last one working uh, in Washington with a canine compass. The canine revolving door. Oh, I think that's right. All this goodness about about saying that presidential children should be off limits. No, I I say go go have at it with the presidential children, but the dogs, the dogs, there's nothing sacred. The dogs must be off limits. I I have to say that you you really wanted to sit around in the editorial meeting where they were sitting there debating. So 
what nasty thing could we say about the lab lying in front of George's casket? <laughs> yeah, well, that's 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 journalism today, man. Uh, it is. It really captured something of the mean spiritedness of the year. But that's not why we're here, Corey. And that shouldn't stop us from celebrating Bad Choices Day. No, no, and 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 in fact, right. For some of us, you may have all eight nights of Bad Choices Hanukkah. Um, and yet, I know that this episode is going to be the Christmas present you guys all give me because we're going to talk about the good stuff of the year. That's so right, and we're going to start with you. I am you. adjusting my tiara of optimism. The good that's stuff right. is that the year of bad stuff is almost over. Well, that's again, that's just what we would expect from you, Rosa. But I'll, let's all reach up and try to touch the sparkly glow of Corey's tiara of optimism. And just let a little of it rub off. Corey, start us out. <laughs> Give us something you really okay. enjoyed. Like like Jeff Sachs' book. I, I understood you really enjoyed that. I understood that the British reading public also really enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So much good happened this year. First of all, I disagree agree with David's commentary from our last episode about the destruction of the liberal international order, because one of the great things about this year is that the liberal order proved so much more resilient uh, against, I grant you, very dedicated attempts by the president of the United States, the the president of China, the, the whatever Vladimir Putin styles himself in Russia. Um, and other destructive forces, but it is actually holding up remarkably well. Um, moreover, that even as the United States steps back in both retrenchment and, as David said, uh, fails to be a beacon of values in the international order, others are trying to step up. Most of the middle powers are trying to are working together and working hard to try and hold the liberal international order. A couple of examples. Uh, Japan training the Coast Guards of Vietnam and the Philippines to help uh, and cascading Coast Guard cutters and things like that to them to try and keep the, the International Convention on the, the UN Convention on the Law of the Sea in effect despite Chinese predations. The, uh, the un Undersung story of Justin Trudeau, the Prime Minister of Canada, reaching into the United States to work with Jerry Brown, the Governor of California, and others on common projects, despite the overt hostility of the American federal government. Um, the unflinching way the Chancellor of Germany uh, stood her ground on admitting refugees into Germany. And and, and didn't get voted out of power, did get her preferred successor named as head of the party. And I just saw that the head of the German um, employers union was expressing his astonishment at the speed with which refugees who came to Germany within the last two years are uh, getting jobs, getting apprenticeships, and being a boon to the economy. Uh, so, so that's great and to be grateful for. A second great development this year that I'm optimistic about, the people of Japan, who were some of the most strident opponents of 
of multiculturalism in their own country and of immigration to their own country have now turned positive about that. Uh, a third big thing I'm happy and excited about this holiday season is that despite the president of the United States being a damaging force and arguing that immigration and trade and, and um, uh, let's see, immigration, trade, and there's one other, that despite the president being really terrible on those things. American public attitudes are moving in opposition to the president's views. Oh, alliances, of course, is the third one. Um, and the Chicago Council on Global Affairs for two years running has shown American public attitudes moving strikingly in opposition to the president's views. And the last big one for me is that despite the president trying to break our alliances and despite his terrible behavior at the NATO summit, everybody tried to give us the win. They worked together to, um, to if we had just had the policy successes of the NATO summit and not the president's despicable behavior, it would have been one of the most successful summits since 1990 uh, because we stood up the second fleet again to patrol the Atlantic. We um, we deployed uh, then the, we developed the NATO 30-30-30, so 30 brigades, 30 air squadrons, and 30 battleships available on 30 days notice. That's a huge strengthening of the alliance and everybody wanted to give us the win and that's a really beautiful thing to be grateful for. Well, I'm sorry, we've got no more time left for this episode. Um, <laughs> you know, in the Shockey tribe, I was I was scolded as a little girl one Thanksgiving because they let me say grace, and I went on for so long that when I finally got to being grateful for electricity, my mom cut me off. <laughs> well, that was short-sighted of her part. Electricity is really a great boon in all of our lives. I, as you know from past episodes, was known in my family as Eeyore uh, for having a somewhat uh, opposing view in these things, which is why I'm remaining quiet here and turning it to Ed, Mr. Good Cheer. Um, and, 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 and as you look back on 2018, Ed, can you add to Corey's lists of positive developments, nice people, good meals, songs that you liked, dances that you had under the moonlight, anything that you want to point out? Well, Present I, company I, accepted, of course. <laughs> Present company accepted. Um, I, I probably didn't sort of excel on the dances under the moonlight in 2018, but that's a good point for 2019. I mean, I realized when Corey was listing her, um, her, her wonderful... Wait, wait, wait a second. Didn't you get married in 2018? No, that was 2017. Oh, it was 2017? Which, yeah. was, which was the best year in human history. I mean, oh, that's, I see. That's already pretty much a settled fact amongst modern historians. Yeah. Um, Excellent. Um, Good but uh, Corey's list of small mercies, um, I realized that, you know, when she mentioned something I didn't know about Japan training the Philippine Coast Guard that I couldn't possibly emulate her on positive developments in 2018. <laughs> uh, that, that was a stunner. Um, and so I congratulate, I tip my um, ordinary hat to, to Corey's um, tiara for, for really looking hard to try and find things. If I were to look hard, it's a couple of, couple of things. One is, you know, I think the midterm elections were a very positive 
thing. Um, I think the fact that the Democrats regained the House um, showed that the American people had been paying a lot more attention than maybe a more cynical reading um, could have led you to believe before the polls. I think that it showed um, a higher turnout amongst younger people. Um, which regardless of which way they're, they're voting um, is, is a good thing. We need more participation in this democracy. I think that we cannot yet, and I know we've discussed this on previous episodes, call what's happening in America a constitutional crisis. I think that we have, we do see signs that the system is upholding, um, you know, it's sort of basic guardrails. That might not be the case by the end of 2019. I think next year is going to be a very testing year. But so far, um, the American system is just about holding up. And it could have been a lot worse if we'd sort of been asked to prognosticate a year ago about what it will look like um, now. Exactly right. um, From a personal point of view, you know, my green card hasn't been revoked, um, you know, which I think is a, a, a very positive development. Uh, I realize that none <laughs> of us on this podcast are sort of median voters in terms of in terms of our probably the salaries we get and the, the you know, the places that we live. But, you know, that said, you know, when I travel around America or when I travel around other parts of the world, including Europe. I've been to Italy this year. I haven't been to Hungary, but I've been to some of the places, uh, Britain is another, you know, that are worst affected by populism. And I don't see a collapse. You know, I don't see a collapse as sort of basic courtesy on a human level. I don't see a complete sort of atrophying of everything we hold dear. I do see enough um, intact in terms of what we consider to be the ordinary, you know, um, warp and woof of everyday life um, to, 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 to still be there and still be salvageable. Um, Did you say woof? Um, yes, I was trying to remember <laughs> whatever we used to say about speakers, which I never I never understood when I went into those music stores. Woof um, and woof is exactly woof. correct. Yeah, it woof is first. exactly correct. This is, is, is the language of textiles, is it not? Uh, and and yeah, I, I thought sh- the warp I, and the wolf had something to do with making potholders, which we used to do in summer camp. Oh, really? It is. It does. Yeah, well, it's been a great year for marijuana smokers as well. Oh, that's so true. Uh, it's, but in terms of wolf, you uh, well, know, my First cats, of all, slow down, Ed. When she says potholder in American English, that means something you <laughs> hold a pot. Oh, it is not, not I that thought you she hold meant pot. it was like the, the hooky. Well, oh, <laughs> I thought she was, talk, I I think she was talking about passing <laughs> things on the left and that kind of stuff. Actually, yeah. Rosa, doesn't I surprise have any of us. Kind of summer camp you I, went in to. Fact, now in know. fact, I did go to a socialist summer camp where we sang the International <laughs> each morning, but but they did but not actually let us get stoned. But it no. wasn't yet a pot dispensary. <laughs> no, you know, I gotta yet. say, the this episode is giving people this wonderful, you know, sort of sense of the childhood of the little deep staters. There's Corey, her hands <laughs> clutched in prayer, thanking God for electricity. <laughs> David sitting in a shadow, you know, you know, being Eeyore and glum and worrying about the hundred acre woods, and then 
Off there is Rosa singing the international, wearing her little, her little red We're scarf. Even cup holders. Yeah, exactly. And meanwhile, there was Ed, you know, telling his store. servants to where. What were you doing? Ed? I, I was sort of riding on horseback and shooting down natives in some savannah somewhere. Uh, now, now I had a very ordinary English upbringing, contrary to contrary to the um, running joke about um, my Downton Abbey origins. It, it isn't actually true. Um, uh, but uh, I was going to make a bad joke about dogs when Rosa picked up on me saying woof. Woof, woof, woof. Oh, yeah, my cats are still alive. That is a really good development of 2018 because they could twice now. Wait, that's a joke? No, no, no. They they, they, they are alive. It's not a joke. Sometimes I wish they they weren't alive, but um, my daughter is delighted. (laughs) Wow. Excellent. Wow. That is a good thing. Taking out against your pets. David, something positive here? You know, perhaps, what about, how about a vignette of little, little Sanger, you know, you know, walking around in his shorts, breaking, breaking news (laughs) at, at Dalton or wherever you went, you know. First of all, I want you to know, David, that I went to public school. And that doesn't mean what Ed thinks it does. Yeah, so did I. We have a lot in common, David. Yeah. Ed probably did wear shorts. Right. However, I did actually. However, David, I think we should confess that our mothers went to Dalton together. They were there at the same time. Ooh, really? That's right. Wow. The the deep state's early roots, deep roots, right? Um, uh, So. Things to be thankful for this year. So one on a serious note, for all of our discussion of how American institutions were being trampled on or denigrated by the president and so forth, by the end of the year, we saw that the major institutions sort of came back. The justice system managed to reach out over the, the Internet Research Agency, the GRU, several members of the transition team, the campaign and others who have either pled or been convicted or somewhat that has sort of shattered this concept that the president was rolling around the law. He may have wanted to, but it's come back fiercely. You're not the saying state, the GRU is part of the U.S. government at this no, point. No, I'm not suggesting. No, that, okay. that, no I'm, I am suggesting that, that the institution that, that indicted them, which was the special counsel's office, did something never done in Washington. It stayed silent. It didn't get out on a big campaign, and it just rolled on and did its job. Um, the second category I would put here, and our, our our listeners will be forgiven for thinking accurately. This is entirely self-interested. Is that the press, by and large, for all that it was denigrated, all that it was described as the enemy of the people, all that it was described as fake news the major and minor news organizations all dug in and did their job. I celebrate that, David. Well done. Well, well, uh, thank you. We have more to thank from many of my colleagues, not just here at the New York Times, but at the Washington Post, the Wall Street Journal. The list goes on. Great reporting done. The Slate Dog reporting team. The Slate Dog reporting team I might exempt from the list, right? and um, woof, woof. <laughs> and uh, I my my view uh, is that when most people today 
are doing something I've never seen in 36 years in journalism, which is like coming up to us in airports and at conferences and so forth and thanking us for what we do, something that previously you just heard happen to military members, tells you right. that something is happening in the society in which people have come to recognize that all that stuff they heard about a free press was not just something that they did in civics class, but actually had a real and important purpose. So I was- No, the last, was a, the last flight I was on, it said, we will now board families with small children, members of the active military and serving journalists. I don't so think I've quite gotten that far because usually we, we get categorized in with the noisy children, right? Uh, so um, <laughs> the third thing that I think has been has been useful is that you've actually seen both, as we mentioned in an, in an earlier uh, episode uh, this week, you've seen some members of the Senate on issues of Russia and uh, and on Saudi Arabia actually get a spine by the end of the year and begin to stand up and say, you know, we're not here to go lift sanctions on countries that are acting badly and so forth. So we've actually seen some separation of view, which I, I think is, is pretty healthy. So for all that I said before about the collapse of the international order, which I would happily debate Corian, preferably at one of her favorite pubs outside her luxurious <laughs> new offices in, in, in London. Uh, Deal. Right I hold your marker, Sanger. Okay, good. I'm, I'm, I'm coming back for that. Um, that uh, uh, while I would say the international order has not done terribly well, I would say that we have, we have definitely seen um, cases in which institutions within it have, have begun to stand up. And you've even seen this happen with the Europeans while distracted in dealing with the United States. They didn't just fold on the... Um, uh, on the the Paris Accord, they you know found another way to reach some common agreement. So um, the and system, tried the system, took their first took their first stab at building a a payment system that can circumvent the dollar, which I think is hugely significant, and which I suspect will fail. But it's a, it, interesting that they're trying. Um. Gee, you know, Rosa, you should be either happy or really depressed because it sounds like the main reason we should be happy about 2018 <laughs> is that it's not the apocalypse, that Western civilization has not collapsed, that Ed Luce's next book will be called The Return of Western Liberalism. Um, uh, just just the renewal of my green card. It's a the, great the, <laughs> yeah, the, Ed's next book, which he's already signed up while we were talking, is called... <laughs> potholders in American culture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember the Clinton administration, but in any event... Potholders and stakeholders. American liberalism. Wow. You're good, Corey. You've done this before. Um, <laughs> that's, a, that's a good working title. So, Rosa, as you look at this year, does that fill you with joy that at least everything has not collapsed in its entirety? Um, well, the thing that uh, is filling me with some degree of joy as we as we approach the uh, birth of Jesus and so forth is is that lots of people are going to jail and and they are people who richly deserve to go to jail. Uh, Can I just say yes? How much I love the 
glee in Rose's voice <laughs> as she says, uh, the birth of baby Jesus and all that other stuff. <laughs> and people are going to jail. <laughs> and and some people should go to jail. Um, Paul Manafort yes, should go true. to jail. And no matter what uh, uh, Bob Mueller says, I'm inclined to think that Mike Flynn should go to jail. Uh, and Michael Cohen should go to jail, and uh, hopefully uh, Stone will go to jail, and all these other creeps will go to jail. And and I, I certainly hope that several other creeps mentioned in our previous episode will find themselves in jail in, in the 2019 at some point. Um, but, but And perhaps while they are in jail, they will think deep uh, Christian thoughts, and they will realize the error of their ways, and when they get out of jail— they will dedicate their lives to atoning for the damage they have done uh, in the previous decades of their largely worthless existences. Um, so that all makes me feel very, very cheerful and full of uh, seasonal good, good, goodwill. Okay, Reza, I have to say that, like, you're that's a high note end of the year for you. That <laughs> it you, is that you can see these villains contemplating their failures, their errors, and their damage, and making amends. I think well, that's actually a well, very on a fitting more, tribute on to a the more season. serious note, um, uh, you know, I spend a lot of my time, as, as you know, thinking about um, a topic we don't spend much time on this podcast talking about, which is the American criminal justice system, which, which I think probably most of our listeners know uh, is a deeply flawed system, um, one that over-criminalizes certain kinds of crime, particularly the types of crimes most frequently committed by the, the very poor, and tends to under-criminalize and under-enforce the types of crimes committed by the privileged, um, which is why we have a prison system which contains more people than the entire populations of many other countries around the globe, uh, and is disproportionately full of uh, people of color and very, very poor people of, of all races. Um, and and I do believe that one thing that would probably be very, very good for many privileged people would be to spend a little time in jail and realize what it's really like to be amongst the less fortunate of the earth uh, and what it is like to be surveilled and lose your freedom. Uh, and that that experience might actually induce a little bit more self-reflection and compassion in some of them. It, it has happened before. Um, interestingly, one of the people to whom it's happened is, I think this is a fascinating story. Um, uh, the judge who, um, oh, I'm, I'm temporarily blocking on his name. Maybe it'll come to me. But the judge who uh, decided the case of Robert Getz, remember Getz? He was the guy in the, I think it was the 1980s, who uh, shot several kids on the subway in New York City when he was afraid they were going to mug him. Um, and I'm blocking on the name of the prison. Oh, so, Bernie, Salt that was Bernie Getz. I was on Bernie Night Getz, Metro thank you. The, that, that week, yes. Bernie Getz um, and Bernie Saul Wachler, that was the name of the judge, I believe. He was a New York Supreme Court judge. And he kind of cracked up. Apparently, he had an undiagnosed mental illness. He, he ended up stalking his former mistress when she tried to leave him. He, he got indicted. He ended up in jail. He ended up in solitary confinement. Uh, eventually, he served his sentence. He got out again. He became a major advocate, a very powerful advocate for uh, uh, addressing the needs of mentally ill people in the prison system. And he also became a, a powerful voice speaking out 
against solitary confinement and against various prison abuses. And it's often struck me that that if if all judges could have the experience of spending a week or two in prison, even a week or two, um, and if all of those who are so quick to condemn the uh, relatively minor crimes of others would spend a little time in jail, that they would probably be better human beings. Um, th th well, that was like a, a total silence. No, no, I think that's <laughs> interesting. Here, here, Rosa. Well, are you? Yeah, no, no. It's, a, Send it's an them excellent all point. To jail for their own good. And for those of you who missed it, Rosa was cited in an article in the Washington Post about some of the work that she's been doing on police reform in Washington, D.C., uh, which I, by the way, was rather touched to note her mother was tweeting out proudly. Um, uh, just a couple of days ago, but it's uh, it's it's consistent with what she has just said. Um, Corey, with just nine minutes left to go, um, be <laughs> be be before we you're going to give me another bite of the apple with, <laughs> with, um, with 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 but you know before we all go and start hanging our stockings by the chimneys with Karen hoping that Rosa's gift for so many, which are indictments, don't end up in our stockings. Um, <laughs> um, if, if you want to give like a little sparkle off that tiara of optimism to one particular person who brought light into the year, who would it be? Oh, uh, wow. Uh, Bob um, Mueller. <laughs> I knew Rosa was headed to Bob Mueller. <laughs> that was um, yeah. Uh, so you have stumped me. I'm trying to think of the one individual I most want. Um, Mike Schilt, the manager of the St. Louis Cardinals. <laughs> New manager of the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, cause my car, cause he is yet not adequately proven to deserve that. Uh, so he's got well, to he get is. a whole season and he's got to get us playing in October before I'm going to be uh, on that. So, um, Yoni Applebaum tweeted out today, something that lifted my whole spirits. And so maybe I'll go with this, which is Ulysses S. Grant, uh, because, Yoni figured out that the only American president to ever uh, be a arrested for a criminal act while in office was Ulysses Grant. And, and what he was... And interestingly, uh, Corey, for, by the way, he was arrested by an African-American police officer with the Washington, D.C. Metropolitan Police Department. That's exactly where I was headed. Oh, Rosa. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh oh. No, no, no. Just, I, I love it. I can't believe you stepped on her punchline. Oh, God. Line, for God. I'm, God. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I love it that we're sharing this story together. That makes it even better because what made me think of it was your very powerful commentary on the justice system and on the importance of police reform. So, the officer who arrested him um, had been enslaved. Uh, enlisted in the Union Army, fought in the Civil War, became a messenger in one of the government departments, and from there, a cop, and he arrested the President of the United States for speeding on horseback in D.C. Uh, Grant paid his $20 fine, uh, and when the police... Uh, you know, when, when civic activism wanted to fire this cop for having 
cited the president of the United States, Grant celebrated him for applying the law equally, even against the president of the United States. It, right. And I think that's, you know, the, 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 the big message here is, of course, um, that, uh, that the, the president went along with it. He said, no, I've got to follow the law and paid his 20 bucks. And um, I, he, he was I, he was booked, I think. In, he was you know, booked. He, yeah. he brought uh, he brought the president to the police station. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. So I read that I read that story this morning, enjoyed it um, greatly. I've tried to figure out and failed to whether or not you can still be arrested in Washington for riding your horse above the speed limit. You can. <laughs> I, I, Depends on if it's on the it. horse you rode right. in on. <laughs> and um, I, I came away from it because I've got this big stack of books that I've determined I've got to read during vacation, but I know I'll only get one through one or two. And I've already read Corey's brilliant account of um, Britain uh, losing its place as the um, the great in the great empire. Uh, so um, that made me I determined to go. Curtsy, my the thanks biography. to you for that. So yeah, anybody yeah, turn off grant Anybody who's not yet given Corey's book as a Christmas gift, you, you need to give it to everybody in the family. Um, and particularly, you need to give it to those who are camping out in Corey's apartment. <laughs> or throw it with great force at them and hope it drives them towards the door. Um, here's, here's a book I'm loving on the same, um, related to my own. Uh, Josh Schifrensen's Rising Titans, Falling Giants that looks at hegemonic transition, but focuses on the policy of the weaker state and the choices that they make to avoid war with a stronger state. It's gangbusters great. For those of you who are on Corey's hegemonic transition uh, book club, uh, where each month they go to a book on hegemonic transitions, and, you know, I think how, bad dog, David, <laughs> <laughs> how long can this go on? Well, of course, last year did see both a Corey book and a David book out, and David Sanger book uh, out there. So that's uh, something. Or when did your book come out last year or was it the year before? And it was paperback the year before last year. paperback last year. Yeah. Yeah. Which doesn't really count. Yeah, no, it, it, well, it but, does. But I, it does I wrote a couple as... of limericks last year. Well, that's that's pretty good. And I'm struggling with one right now, which mine is supposed to come out in the summer. So a book or a limerick? Uh, well, we'll see. <laughs> I, can, I can help you with the limerick. <laughs> we'll we'll see. Right now, it's about limerick length, but it's due in book length in a couple of weeks. Um, so what's it on, David? It's called "Traitor: The Case Against Donald Trump." Ah. Uh-huh. So wow, that is a, so. That did. <laughs> <laughs> so um, and and how do you feel about Donald Trump, David? Well, I I I, I deliberated very carefully. The, the the publisher wanted to call it treason, the case against Donald Trump, and whereas I think he has met all the the definition of treason as it's in the Constitution, he hasn't actually met the legal definition. So as a sort of a sign of trying to produce something that's moderate and sensible. I went from treason to traitor. How does that work with you? Does that seem more moderate to you? Somebody? 
No. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, it's actually a a bit of a history. I've- I very much look forward to reading it, David. It's a a bit of a history of betrayal of the United States and how it has happened in the past and how the current circumstances compare to past circumstances in which betrayals took place. Um, And, um, uh, you know, with some some thoughts about what this this may mean for the future. but, uh, you know, uh, I'll uh, make sure each one of you gets a copy of it when it when it appears. Um, David, uh, Rosa, somebody who you want to pick out as the the the, the winner of uh, one tiny gem from the tiara of optimism for the year? I, I already gave you mine, David. It's Bob Mueller. And, and I'm totally serious, not just because I approve of him locking up the people who should be locked up so that they can reflect on the error of their ways, but, but also because he has offered us, uh, I think, an incredible model of somebody who is just doing his job with enormous integrity and enormous restraint He does not go on millions of Sunday talk shows and blah, blah, blah. He does not spread rumors. He does not leak information. He shuts up and he gets his job done. And I wish that there were more Americans like him. Uh, Well, that's that's inspiring. David, this, you know, we very seldom turn to you for a last inspiring word here, but. (laughs) <laughs> was was that was sometimes you turn to me for a last word, but never for a last inspiring word, right? Yeah, but but is there somebody who to you is is the example for the year, the person you want to hold up and say, thank goodness we had them in 2018? Well, I, I, I certainly think that Rosa had a, a very good point uh, with Mueller uh, for as as somebody who's standing up and doing his job. Uh, job. Um, I was heartened to see, as, as I think Ed may have mentioned earlier, that uh, Khashoggi, who was a flawed human being, ended up uh, on the Time cover because I think he symbolized the excesses uh, of, um, uh, of authoritarian regimes and was willing to go stand up to them. And I would say the same for a number of uh, Chinese, Burmese, and other dissidents we've seen uh, around the world. So I think uh, that they've all um, been uh, good stand-up uh, types. And then, of course, the entire Boston Red Sox for showing that you can actually shake <laughs> off 100 years of defeat and repeatedly win the World Series. Oh, boy. Yeah, we're all over the, the spirit of Boston. <laughs> yeah, I'll say. I was over Okay, it b- I, I b- have uh, now that I've had time, there actually is somebody I found really inspiring this year that I want to celebrate. And that is the Americans under the age of 30 who turned out to vote in the midterm elections because they did turn out in larger numbers. And it was the largest midterm election turnout in a hundred years. And that is great for the country, no matter who they voted for. Yeah. And while you're at it, you might as well throw in um, women voters and women women voters and women candidates who made a huge difference in the election uh, and, uh, and, and drove the result, but also electricity. Where would we be? Where would podcasts, for example, be without electricity? <laughs> also nowhere. Electricity. <laughs> also, they would be nowhere. So 
as we wrap up here, we have about 60 seconds to go. Corey, I would like you and then each of the rest of you to offer up your holiday wishes to our listeners because we won't be doing live podcasts unless the world ends during the week of Christmas. So this is our your last chance to offer them your warm regards uh, in 2018. Do you have a holiday wish for everyone? I am so grateful to my fellow Deep State Radio nerds for sustaining us throughout this year. I wish you jolly holidays. I hope you have already had a happy Hanukkah and wish you whatever holiday other you celebrate that it's joyful. Excellent. And and David, would you like to offer a wish to everybody? I, I also uh, want to wish the best of the new year to the Deep State Radio listeners. And I urge them all to either to, during the holidays, to show up unannounced, either at Rose's silo or at Corey's <laughs> flat. Corey's Corey's living room. Yeah, where 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 Corey's concerned that she hasn't had enough unannounced visitors because I can't think of a better way to sort of ring in the new year than doing it with Corey's laugh in the living room. Exactly. Here, here. And 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 we will be raising a glass of eggnog to you, Corey, from within the silo, deep within the silo. Deep within the silo, and and wondering where you are and, and just know that if the British Empire collapses for a lack of consensus on remain or, or leave, you are always welcome back into our silo, even if you have fled the country. <laughs> Thank you very much, my friends. Jolly holidays to you all. Jolly holidays to everybody. <laughs> and uh, I, I love jolly holidays, by the way. That I didn't know, you know, we've had a big throwback there. And uh, uh, happy new year and... Thank goodness uh, for electricity. Thank you, Corey. Thank you, Rosa. Thank you, David. Tune into deepstateradionetwork.com for other podcasts and other content. Uh, and uh, the next week, we'll be doing some uh, uh, digging into our archives for some of the best of from the 156 episodes of Deep State Radio that there are. Uh, and we'll be back Good with God. you. I know it's true. And we'll be back with you after the beginning of the new year with more uh, good cheer. 2019 uh, is going to be an eventful year. And just to ensure that you enjoy it, as I know you all will, I guarantee you it will be the worst year in Donald Trump's life. Happy holidays, everybody, uh, from Deep State Radio. Deep State Radio is a production of the Deep State Radio Network a division of TRG Interactive Media. Our podcast today was produced in cooperation with Goat Rodeo Productions and was supervised by Ian Enright. Join us again for another episode of Deep State Radio. If you don't, we know where to find you.